Well, I want to warn you in advance that this is, I don't find this an easy thing to preach today um, because it's a passage of scripture uh, which keeps on coming back to me um, and challenges me again and again. I'm reading from James chapter 1. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. That's how I feel. <laughs> If you take nothing else away from what I'm about to say, take this. The scripture which says, don't just listen, do what it says. Don't merely listen. James is full of imperatives. You know what an imperative is, don't you? Um, I think I know what an imperative is. Uh, the school teacher says, oh, come on, please work quietly. That's not an imperative. Children, be quiet. That is an imperative. And James is full of them. And the two that I started with are two of them. Don't merely listen. Do it. One commentator which I've read summed up James's epistle in this way. I don't know whether I agree with him entirely, or perhaps you won't, but I like it anyway. He says, James is writing to people not to talk their way into heaven, but to walk their way into heaven. Now, you've been doing Restore 2022 and 3, and you have looked, for instance, at Micah, and you will remember that in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, it says, 
What does the Lord require of you? But to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. James is about those, about walking with God. And you've recently read Amos, and you'll remember that in Amos, Amos says, do two people walk together unless they agree with one another? In walking with God, day by day, we can't walk with him unless we agree with his view of life and walk according to his will for life. And so, it's not just a matter of listening to God's word, but doing it if we are to walk with him in agreement day by day and enjoy his blessing. Now, in Ezekiel chapter 33, there's an example of what not to do. This is what God says to Ezekiel. As for you, son of man, your people are talking together about you by the walls and at the doors of their houses, saying to each other, Come, let's hear the message that comes from the Lord. My people come to you, as they usually do, and sit before you to hear your words, but they don't put them into practice. Their mouths speak of love and so on, but indeed, to them, you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice, for they hear your words, but don't put them into practice. I preached on that once here, 40 years ago, when we still used the pulpit, and we had pews, And uncharacteristically for me, on that occasion, I prepared notes for the sermon and put them on the seats before the service began. And then I stood up in the pulpit and I said, today, there is no word from the Lord. And it had a seat and I sat down. And the silence was palpable. For half a minute, perhaps, my heart was going like this. And then people began to whisper. And I sensed that one or two people were a bit angry. What do we pay this guy for? We expect him to prepare a sermon for Sunday. And then I stood up and said, well, you know there's a sermon. You've got the notes in the, in, on your pew. But you come to hear the word of the Lord. Would you go away and do it? And so I say the same to you. Here you are, as is your custom. You're here on Sunday, and you've been singing hymns. Jenny always leads us beautifully. I, I loved your guitar today as well, Richard. It was brilliant. We're here to worship God, and then we sit down to hear the word. But now then, when we sit down to hear the word, 
Does it just wash over us? Have you been thinking about Liverpool's latest match instead? Have you been thinking about whether you put the roast on for lunch, if that's what you do these days? You've come as is your habit. And here is the word of the Lord. Now when you go, do you intend to do it? Another illustration is the one that um, James himself used. I'll be honest, I've struggled with his illustration over the years. Like a man who looks in a mirror and sees his face and then goes away and forgets what he looks like. What's that all about, I've thought. I, don't, I can't see his point. Until yesterday, I said, Lord, I need to understand. Now, I've turned my bedroom into a study. I have my desk, I have all my books down there, I have a window which I can look out of at the same time. Here's my desk. And because it's, it's a bedroom as well, there's a mirror on the wall. So I sit here, here's my desk. And reading this, I just looked round into the mirror and studied my face for a moment. Very impressed by it. And then I turned back again, and there was a man walking his dog. And then, oh, I've got to carry on with my sermon. Do you know, two moments after I had looked at my reflection in the mirror, I had forgotten all about it. And James is saying that we're just like that if we come and hear the word and then don't do it. It's just washed over us and gone away. Now we're concentrating on what the world is presenting before us, or what the cup of tea is being presented to us, and we've forgotten what was said to do it. I can remind you, I hope, that James is the one who said this first, not me. I'm simply telling you what the scripture says. We have the same standards of behaviour that they had in the Old Testament. God's standards of good and bad don't actually change. He is the holy God from start to finish. It is his nature. He created the world. He knows how it works beautifully and wonderfully and effectively and lovingly and harmoniously. He is the one who set in motion the way things should be done, the way one should love, the attitudes that we should have. Right and wrong haven't changed from Abraham's day to ours. The same things are right, the same things are wrong in God's eyes. So we have the same standards of behaviour. But the Old Testament in the Old Testament, they had a law which gave them all their standards, but it had no power to change the character of the people who are to live by it. In actual fact, 
it was a law which is outside of them, preaching at them, like some of you may feel I'm doing, but please God, that's not the way it is. The law outside them, preaching at them, imposing itself upon them, producing guilt again and again and again, so that they had to offer sacrifice day after day after day for their guilt. The law didn't produce the goodness in them. It only told them how they should be good. Now James here is telling us that we're not just to let stuff wash over us, but we're look, to look into the perfect law of life. So what's different for us? I'm reminded of Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect. It refreshes the soul. And the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. <clears throat> and the commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. And in fact, the fear of the Lord is pure, and it endures forever. What we have to look into is the same law. But our law includes the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know how theologically correct I'm being in the way I'm putting these things around. It doesn't bother me to tell the truth right now. Because we have a saviour who fulfilled the law. He came, he said, I haven't come to change the law, I've come to fulfill it. If any of you change one dot or tittle from the law, then tough on you, you're in trouble with the Lord. Not one jot or tittle changes, but I have come to fulfill it. And he did. Our Saviour, through whom all things were made, through whom we and all humanity have been created, himself became flesh and fulfilled the law of the living God as our perfect representative in a way that only he could represent us. And he gave himself willingly and sacrificially on the cross to take the can for us, for our failure in the law. And now he's given us a new law of the gospel in which you come to Jesus and you are welcomed by God and you are cleansed from all your sin. But it comes with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit makes you a new creation. Because what the Holy Spirit does is what the Old Testament law couldn't do. The Holy Spirit brings the word of God to us and changes us inside out. 
He gives us a new disposition. Whereas our old disposition before we knew Jesus was to sin, 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 however much we didn't want to, so the new disposition which the Holy Spirit gives us is a disposition that wants to love and to honour and to obey our God. And he implants his spirit and his word in this way into our hearts so that when we become a Christian, the Bible says, some people don't like this verse, that uh, we have been born again. Some people go, oh, I've heard people say it. But what has happened is the Holy Spirit has come into us and he's made us new creatures, hasn't he? And if he hasn't, why hasn't he? <laughs> he has made us new creatures. So I remember the day that I became a Christian and the weeks that followed and again and again when I, when I think back on it, the astonishment that I felt at the transformation which God the Holy Spirit had made in me when I put my hope in Jesus Christ and trusted him. Because the day before I was a Christian, I was a wretch. I was full of the filth and all the kinds of stuff that James has told us to get rid of. I was, I was the, my future mother-in-law couldn't sleep at the thought of her daughter marrying me and what I was. And I was a liar, I was a cheat, I was lazy, I was deliberately, selfishly unemployed. I, 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 I was a pariah on the state. And yet in here I so much wanted what life was all about. And that night I found Christ and turned to Jesus. And you know, the next morning, the very next morning, having been for months and even years deliberately unemployed, the next morning I got up and, boy, I wanted to go to the, we called it the labour exchange in those days, and I walked in and I went up to the desk and I said, I want a job. And the guy who knew me nearly fell off his seat. And he said, excuse me, sir, excuse me, sir, can you repeat that? I, 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 want, to, I want to have a job. I haven't been out of work since, by the way. And the last 40 years have been as a minister. But what astonished me, you see, was that with the good news of Jesus came the power of the Holy Spirit to change my inner nature from being a God-despiser into being a God-lover. And he implanted the word into me so that now all the things I never did or refused to do, I suddenly wanted to be obedient. It was so wonderful to be obedient. It was so precious to know the love of Jesus Christ. It was so extraordinary to feel the purity of heart and mind instead of all the guilt and the filth and the, and the stares and the anger that came from people. It was so wonderful to be refreshed. Oh, what a wonderful thing God has done for us. And James says, don't let it wash over you. Don't forget it. He says, instead, you look deep into the implanted word. He says, look intently 
into the perfect law that gives freedom. And that word intently is an interesting one because it means to stoop down and examine and look into fervently, intently. So we come, we hear the word of God, but for it to work in God's way, we have to engage with it. We sit in our pews, our seats. I have to do the same every Sunday. Sit in us and engage with it. Last Sunday, our minister called the church to three days of prayer and fasting. Fortunately, she didn't say 24 hours. She said, and then she gave us a time period. Now, being me, I have fasted in the in the past, but to be virtually told from the pulpit to engage in a fast. We had to engage with the word and look at the scripture that she was sharing with us and listen to the explanations that our minister was given and engage with it and look deeply into it and then to do it, which the church has done, and it breaks its fast probably in about a quarter of an hour. Because we come to hear the word, but the scripture says, engage with it. Take it on board and do it. Because the promise is that if we do it, we will be blessed in what we do. Hallelujah. Now then, I've been very forward, but it's the word of God that prompts me. And I said there are lots of imperatives in James. Here are some of them. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. Get rid of moral filth and evil thoughts. Now, I am a bloke and I can't speak for women, but I have spoken to plenty of men, and I know that plenty of men are plagued with filthy thoughts, even when they're jolly good Christians. Get rid of them. Don't merely listen. Go off and do it. Keep a, a tight rein on your tongue, says James. Look out for the needy in his days, the orphans and the widows. Today we've been reminded of the homeless and the poor. James says, keep yourself from being polluted by the world. He says, love your neighbour as you love yourself and don't give in to favouritism or prejudice. Now there are some of Scripture's imperatives. It's possible 
that right now the Holy Spirit has alerted one or other of you to things that have got to change. And my guess is, because I've been there, it hurts a bit. Please just remember that God disciplines those he loves. And if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you in a way that hurts a bit, but you know it's right, remember that God is actually loving you. And at the end of your response, there is such joy and blessing to you from the Lord. It may be that the Holy Spirit has said to one or other of you, there's things you really ought to start doing, which you haven't been doing. Well, don't just be hearers. Do it. Perhaps one or other of you here is feeling, I really need to go and apologise to so-and-so or so-and-so and be reconciled because of my tongue or my attitude or my prejudice or whatever. And if somebody were to come to you to apologise, Will you forgive them and be reconciled? Because of your obedience, you will be thoroughly blessed. And my prayer is that as you hear the word and do it, the Lord will bless you and keep you. The Lord will make his face shine on you and be gracious to you, and that the Lord will turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.